You know, the church, when you gather on Sunday or whenever, or you may gather in a small group of believers, that should be a place of hope, a place of hope. And uh, I sensed as we worshiped this morning that God was just giving us hope. So many of you need hope. You need encouragement. And so this is a place where you can come and you can find hope. In a world that is negative, in a world that is pessimistic, in a world where everything seems to be upside down, let me tell you one thing. Let me give you a verse. Romans 15, 13. And the God of hope, not despair, not discouragement, and the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope you leave here with a heart full of hope, encouraged that God loves you and that he's for you and not against you and you'll let nothing stand between you and Jehovah and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I found a new way to get off, get, get my mind off the pain when I'm walking on the treadmill. I ordered me uh, 10 Gaither homecoming videos, DVDs, and they send me eight extra ones for $23. I don't know if that's a bargain or not, but anyway. And so what I do is I put in the DVD and start walking on the treadmill. And I'll tell you, you'll forget about your pain. You, you really will. In fact, you'll get happy and start walking faster is what you'll do. But the other day, Monday, I was watching uh, the Gaither video and the whole homecoming group started singing. What a friend we have in Jesus. And man, I heard that song like I'd never heard it before. And as I listened, it seemed like the Holy Spirit said to me, that's one of the greatest songs on prayer that has ever been written. You know, it really is. One of the greatest songs on prayer that has ever been written. And so, you know, I, I just, uh, I said, you know, it's kind of unusual. Sometimes I feel a little uncomfortable when I say, well, Jesus, you're my friend. Well, because I know who he is. He is the awesome God of this universe. But you know, he's the one that told us that he was our friend and told us to call him friend. If you have your Bibles, look at John 15, 13 through 15. Here's that great, great verse about Jesus being our friend. Look at what it says in verse 13. Greater love has no man 
than to lay down his life for his friends. And then Jesus went on in verse 14 and said, you're my friends. He said, you're my friends. If you do whatever I command you. And then this is the verse, verse 15. No longer do I call you servant. Now this is Jesus now talking to us. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I, now Jesus, I have called you friends. For the things that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. You know, the only person you'll tell the most intimate and personal things are is to your best friend. You don't share personal things with strangers. Of course, your wife or your husband should be your best friend. But then there, there's maybe a handful of others that they're just friends. And you feel so free to share with them what's in your heart. That's basically what Jesus said. I told you I was my friend, your friend when I laid down my life for you. And now I want you to know I'm going to share with you as a friend what the Father has shared with me. One of the great verses that I love about Moses in Exodus 33, verse 11, listen to this. This was the Old Testament. It says, and uh, it says, so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Can you imagine that encounter Moses had? And the Lord spoke to Moses as a man speaks to his friend. And then Solomon, over in the 18th chapter of the 24th verse said, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Isn't it awesome that today that Jesus is not only our Lord, our Savior, our King, our Mediator, our Advocate, our Great High Priest, the Bright and Morning Star. Isn't it awesome that he's our friend? I mean, that, that's almost beyond human comprehension that we could be friends with the God of this universe. And he delights in being our friend. You know, I, I want to today just show you how what a friend we have in Jesus is probably the greatest, one of the greatest songs ever written on prayer. It was written in 1850 by Joseph Scriven, S-C-R-I-V-E-N. He was engaged to be married. The day before their wedding, or weeks before their wedding, this is what they had discussed. He and his fiance were believers. They had discussed this. Whenever we have difficulties, whenever things are not right, we're going to take it to the Lord in prayer. And we're going to resolve it by talking to Jesus. Well, the day before their wedding, she went sailing with some friends. And as they were riding in the boat, she looked at her friends and said, this will be the last day I take a boat ride as an unmarried woman. 
Well, the tragedy is that the wind came up, the boat blew over, and she was drowned. So Joseph Scriven went through a tremendous heartache. But he, he, he did what they talked about they were going to do. Whenever there's a trial, we're going we're to talk to Jesus about it. Well, later on, his mother came to him and was in great trouble, great trouble. And Joseph Scriven just talked to her about, listen, when you're heavy laden and burdened and it's too much, you, you've got to talk to Jesus about it. And out of that experience of talking to his mother, he wrote this song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. So with that as our background, I'm going to put the song up on the screen, and I'm going to uh, give you uh, verses that show you how this is the greatest song on uh, prayer that is ever written. I want you to notice the first verse. There is an awesome declaration. I've sung this thing a hundred times. I sang it in church when I was five years old and 10 years old and 15 years old. I've been singing it for 50 years in church. I mean, come on now. I mean, I have sung this thing. But but do you realize (laughs) that awesome declaration where it says, what a friend we have in Jesus. Man, that is an awesome. It's like Joseph Scriven stood back and said, wow, wow. Jesus is my friend. He says, what a friend we have in Jesus. And, and you know, sometimes we need to know who Jesus, our friend, is. You know, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it tells us what kind of friend Jesus is. Of all the descriptions of the Lord Jesus, this is my favorite. God who at various times and in various ways spoke to us in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days, now listen, he spoke at first by the, to the fathers by the prophets. He has in this last days spoken to us through his son. And then it goes on and says, spoken to us through his son, and it describes him. It says uh, in Hebrews 1, 2, I turn to chapter 12. In, in verse 3 it says, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. And it says, <clears throat> here it is. Who being the brightness of his glory. Now listen to this description of Jesus. <clears throat> God has spoken to us in these last days by his son. Who being the brightness of his glory. That's Jesus. <clears throat> the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now let me tell you who your friend is. It's Jesus, who is the brightness of God's glory. Who is the express image of God's person. Who had, when he had by himself purged our sins. 
set down at the right hand of God. Now that is your friend, Jesus Christ. I love what he says in Colossians. Listen to this description in Colossians 1, verse 15. And this is our friend, Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. What is God like? I've never seen him. Oh, yes, you have. You've seen him on the pages of the Old Testament, but you saw him in reality on the pages of the New Testament. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. Now listen to this. This is our friend. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers. All things were created through him and for him. Jesus, that's our friend. All things were created through him and for him. And by him all things consist. He holds everything together. All I got to say to you is wow. What a friend we have in Jesus. (laughs) I've got some good friends, but you can't compare to him. Man, I don't ever want to get over that. But it goes on. And here's the thing I want you to see. Joseph Scriven told us the awesome price Jesus paid to be our friend. Did you know it cost Jesus (laughs) to be your friend? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. You know, before Jesus could be our friend, he had to bear our sin and he had to bear our griefs. Oh, yeah. It's no coincidence that Joseph Scriven put in the very first line, you know, what a friend I have in Jesus. He bore all my sin, and he bore all my griefs. I know what passage he was thinking about. He was thinking about that great passage in Isaiah 53, where it talked about Jesus. The prophecy, it says, listen to Isaiah 53, verse 3. You see, the reason Jesus can be your friend is he took your sins on himself on the cross. The reason Jesus can be your friend is he took your pains on himself on the cross. Listen to what he says. He is Isaiah 53.3. He's despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows. Acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. We despised him and we esteemed him not. But listen at this. Surely, verse 4, he has borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows. And then he says in verse, he was esteemed, we esteemed him not, and was stricken and smitten by God. But verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we had healed. Verse 6. And the Lord laid on him the iniquities of us all. Let me tell you one thing. Jesus is an awesome, unparalleled friend. But in order for us to have a friendship, he had to go to the cross. 
and had to be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. And our sin had to be laid on him. You say, Brother Fred, that was an awful price to Jesus pray, pay to be our friend. Yes, he said, the way you know a man loves you is he lays down his life for his friends. It is because of the cross that Jesus Christ can be our friend. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25 says, He bore our sins in his body on the tree. So what do I do when I get with my friend? What do I do when I get with my friend? Oh, I'll tell you what I do. I just want to fall on my knees and I just want to say, Jesus, Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for taking my wickedness and sin on yourself. Thank you for paying the ultimate price so I could be forgiven and so I could have you as my friend and could commune with you and talk with you and fellowship with you. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. How can I ever thank you enough for taking my place on the cross? Don't you ever get over the cross. Don't you ever forget the cross. That's the gospel. But you know, all our sins and griefs to bear. By the way, I'm going to say something that's going, it'll trouble you, but it's just the truth. When Jesus died for us, we were not his friend. Jesus didn't look down and say, well, you know, Fred's my friend. I'll die for him. Or Bill's my friend. Or Sue. Oh, no, no. Listen to this. Let, let me tell you what it says. Did you know we were his enemies? When he died for us, we were his enemies. Romans 5.10, listen to this. It says in the fifth chapter, for if when we were enemies, now underline that word, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we will be saved by his life. I was his enemy but he reconciled me to God through his death. Did you know we were weak and without strength? In Romans 5, 6, it says that uh, when we were still without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. And then it says here in verse, the next verse, it says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Perhaps for a good man, one might dare to die. But then the next verse, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, wow, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. But now, let me say this. Jesus said two ways that we respond to him as our friend. Of course, you have to respond to have a personal friend relationship with him by repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ. Now, see, when you repent of your sins, God, I have sinned against you. I've sinned against you. It's like the prodigal. I'm not worthy. 
I've sinned against you. I repent. I turn away from my sin. I get, leave the pig pen and I'm coming back home. And I'm trusting you, Jesus. I'm trusting you. You only as my Savior. And I'm not just coming to you for a ticket to heaven. I'm surrendering my life to you. So you, you, Jesus becomes your friend the day you're saved. The day you're saved. The day you repent of your sins and receive Christ as your Savior. But Jesus said that, that as friends, there were two things, two ways that we would respond to him. The first one is in John 14, 15. Now, if somebody would ask you, do you love your friend? You say, oh man, I have a lot of acquaintances. You would say, but I just have such a few friends. But I want to tell you something. I, I love my friends. I'd never want to do anything to hurt them. Well, look what Jesus said. If you love me, Respond to me by keeping my commandments. Do what honors me. But then the real kicker is in John 15, 14. And you say, well, buddy, I'll tell you one thing. If Jesus has a friend in Mobile, I'm his friend. But in John 15, 14, Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. I'm your friend, Jesus, but I'm not going to obey you. I'm your friend, Jesus, but I'm going to do my own thing. I'm your friend, Jesus, but I'm not going to keep your word. Well, then you're not his friend. He said, you're my friend if you do what I ask you to do. And you know, it's a delight to do something for your friend. You don't do things for your friend because you have to. You do it because you want to. You know, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Then I want you to notice the next thing in this song. The priceless privilege. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. And it goes on and says, what a privilege. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. You know, that's a privilege. You talk about a privilege. Ooh, greatest privilege in the world. That anywhere, any place, any time, I may drop to my knees. I may be driving my car. I may, you may be washing dishes. Whatever it is, I start to say, I might be washing dishes. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> Wherever you are, are you listening to me? You have an audience with the king. An audience with the king. An audience with your friend. And you can just talk to him. What a privilege to carry. I don't have to have a cell phone. I don't have to dial long distance. It doesn't matter. It's no static. It never drops calls, praise God. And you can talk to him anywhere, anytime, any place, and that's a privilege. Praise the name of Jesus. The other day I was uh, walking on the treadmill, and don't think I walk on it often. Once a day, if I can get out of it, none a day. But anyway, <laughs> I hadn't eaten anything. 
And my blood sugar just plummeted. And all of a sudden, the room started spinning around just like, I mean, I never, it's the only time I've ever been through. It was just going just like this. And I, I knew I was going down. I knew I was going down. So I just plopped over in the chair, I mean, on the couch. I just got off the chair and just fell on there. And, and I started saying, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I said it 20 times. Guess what? He helped me. Aren't you glad when you're having a low blood sugar attack and you can call on Jesus? It ain't going to happen to me again. I eat energy bars while I'm walking. Oh, no, that ain't going to happen. Or a banana or something. I'm not, I, that was an awful feeling. But you know what I did automatically? I just called on my friend. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Listen, that's what you need to do. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. What a blessing. You're never alone, friend. Jesus is always with you, and he's a prayer away. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. But I want you to notice the next part of the verse, and it's the awful tragedy. It's prayerlessness. The awful tragedy of prayerlessness. Look at what it says. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry <laughs> everything to God in prayer. Oh, listen. You go around without any peace because you don't pray. And you go around with a heart full of pain because you don't pray. Well, Brother Fred, does it mean that when you pray, God gives you an instant answer and you have peace? Oh, no, no, no. Let me tell you what it means. When you pray and you talk to Jesus, he said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives unto you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Oh, listen, I mean, when we pray, I, I always feel a sense of peace after I've prayed. I may have been burdened, but I mean, there's a, he says, oh, what peace we just forfeit and uh, we go around with all these pains and burdens on our hearts and we worry and we fret why because we don't pray that's why you either worry or pray you worry or pray that's what you do you can say what you want to but you worry or pray that's why the bible said pray without ceasing live in an attitude and a lifestyle of prayer that the atmosphere that you breathe be an atmosphere of prayer Oh, what needless. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Because of prayerlessness. But you go on. You know, I have to be honest with you. And I, I mean this. I'm not saying it's a deep, heartfelt emotion. But in my, my mind, and I believe in my heart, 
What really breaks my heart is the fact that America is filled with prayerless churches. The church does everything but pray. We don't need to pray. We can do it. We got big buildings, great programs, latest technology. I read where one church spent $30 million on their technology. Why didn't they just do a little more praying? It'd be a lot cheaper. Let me tell you one thing. A prayerless church is a powerless church. The world walks by a prayerless, prayerless church and says, where is your God? And you wonder, you long for God to do more in your family. Okay? I'll tell you what you do. You get, you get serious with God. Because, listen, pr- prayerless churches and prayerless families... Listen, they're, they're fair game for the devil. Fair game. And he knows. He's not, he's not uh, worried about a prayerless church because he knows it has no power. But I'll tell you what, Satan flees when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. I like that. I'm going to say it again. Satan flees when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Hallelujah. Sin of prayerlessness. That's why we're having these 40 days, just to, for God to just make us more conscious of our need to pray and for that we've got to move forward on our knees. I cannot tell you how encouraged I am that so many of you have filled in a brick in the wall. We have more people committed to pray an hour a week than we've had since we've been in existence. And we're going to do a new prayer letter that is going to have specific requests. It's going to be much more reader friendly. We're going to send it to you every month. Then every two months, we're going to get um, the days of the week. Like we'll get the days of the week to get together and pray together. For example, we're going to ask Friday and Saturday to get together at somebody's house or here at the church. And let's just have a prayer meeting. And then another, we'll say, all right, we want Wednesday and Thursday to get together. And let's try. And we'll get to know each other and we'll get to pray with each other. We just won't be people praying in different places. And we do that about every two months. And what out of the warriors on the wall will come a ministry of prayer. And anytime we have anything that's going on that's special, all we got to do is say, listen, we're calling the warriors to pray. And then we're going to gather as a group, Friday and Saturday group to pray, or Thursday and Friday. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You better put your armor on. Because the devil's going to get upset because we're praying. You know that, don't you? No, you don't know that, but I know it, okay? You think he's going to like it? He's going to say, oh boy, I'm so glad to see Luke 4.18 praying. He'll turn loose every demon within 500 miles to come and attack this church. But guess what? He's a defeated foe. And he will not have victory. He will not. Because Jesus is Lord and the Satan is under the, is under the feet of Jesus Christ. Praise the name of Jesus. Victorious one. The enemy is defeated. And Jesus is Lord. Well, what are we to pray about? 
Now, I want you to look at the last three verses, and I'll be through. And, and this is going to be quick. Now, now, look what the second verse says. Now, you can't relate to this, I know. You have a trouble-free life. <laughs> look at verse 2. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? If the answer is yes, would you raise your hand? Right? <laughs> Joseph Scriven, he understood. We got trials and temptations. And there's trouble everywhere. What does he say do? Don't be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Pray about your trials. Pray about your tribulations. Pray about your temptations. And the enemy loves to discourage you. Don't let him discourage you. You just, Lord, I'm going to talk to you about this trial. I'm going to talk to you about this temptation. And I'm going to talk to you about this uh, trouble. And I'm telling you, that's what God's told us to do. Now, old Joseph Scriven, he understood it. He had a trial. His fiancée drowned. He had a trouble. His mother was beaten down. You know, hey, have we trials and temptations? You pray about your trials. You pray about your temptations. You pray about your troubles. All right, listen to the rest of that verse. Can we, now, now let me tell you why you can talk to him about your trials, temptations, and trouble. Can we find a friend so faithful? Now, I may call you up and you're my friend, but you're extremely busy. And it's not that you don't care, but you're praying. I hope he gets off the phone. Now, have you ever called somebody when you were busy and you wish you'd get off the phone? Now, don't look spiritual at me. I know better than that. I know that. Come on. Jesus is never that way. He always has time. He's never in a hurry. Can you find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? He shares them. He, he, he's never too busy. He's never out of the office. Who will all our sorrows share? He knows our every weakness. You don't have to tell him how weak you are. He knows how weak you are. Just take it to the Lord in what? Man, that's a great song on prayer. Woo. I've been living that way and didn't even know I was living. What a friend we have in Jesus. Well, you go on to the next verse, and that's verse um, 3. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Does that mean, are you, do you, are, are you weighted down with heavy burdens? That's what it means. Now, there are trials and there are temptations and there are troubles, but now we're talking about burdens. We're talking about burdens. Do you, are you laden with heavy burdens? Heavy burdens. Well, you know, you think about burdens. Now, there's some good burdens. And you pray about the good burdens. Now, the good burden is if you're burdened for lost people. You've got a child that is wayward. And you're burdened for them. I mean, you're burdened for them. That's a good burden. And boy, you pray for them. You stand in the gap for them. You storm the gates of hell for them. That's just what you do. You do it. You're burdened. So you're burdened for your marriage. Are you 
weak and heavy laden. Lord, I'm under a heavy burden. I've been under this burden so long. Are you cumbered with the load of care? Lord, I am beaten down by this burden. He said, well, what you, precious Savior, he's still our refuge. He's still there. He knows. Take it to him in prayer. You know, you have burdens about your children. Burdens for lost souls around you. Burdens for your marriage. Burdens in your job. Burdens in your finances. Burdens with a besetting sin. Burdens with failure. You know, he says, take it to the Lord in prayer. Pray about your burdens. Cast your burden on the Lord. And he will sustain you. That's what the word of God says. There's a song I, we used to sing. I wish I could remember the words. I don't ha- we don't have to bear these burdens alone. Joseph Scriven knew what it was to be burdened down. So he told us. He said, let me tell you, Jesus is your friend. When you're burdened down, you take your burdens to the Lord in prayer. Some of you have heavy burdens this morning. I, I know you do. I have some. You know, really heavy burdens. They break your heart. Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. But you know, I didn't realize that that was a fourth verse. How many times have you sang the fourth verse of what a friend we have in Jesus? I, don't even, I didn't even know it had a fourth verse. But it is an awesome verse. And we're going to put it up on the screen. There it is. Now, now look, look here. You know what the fourth verse says? When you pray, claim the promises of God. Look at what it says. Blessed Savior, you have promised. You will all our burdens bear. Okay? He says, now, Lord, I'm telling you, my friend, I'm coming to you, and I am claiming the promises of God. I'm claiming the promises of God for my children. I'm promising the promise, claiming the promises of God for the lost. I'm claiming the promises of God concerning answered prayer. I'm contain, claiming the promises of God concerning healing. I am claiming your promises. Lord. Blessed Savior, you have promised. Hallelujah. You will all our burdens bear. Now listen to this. May we ever, Lord, be bringing all to thee in earnest prayer. He said, don't stop. We're going to keep bringing these to you, Lord, in earnest prayer. All right, but then guess, I love this. This is a good way to close it. Guess what he said? One day we're not going to pray anymore. (laughs) Look at that. I didn't know that was in this song. Soon in glory, bright unclouded. What's he talking about? Soon in glory, bright, unclouded. What's he talking about? Heaven. God, you spilled the water. Heaven. I spilled it last week, too. I'll spill it next week. But look at it. I got excited. He said, Lord, one of these days, I'm going to be through praying. Soon in glory, bright, unclouded. There will be no need for prayer. Raptures, rapture, praise, and endless worship will be our sweet portion there. Hallelujah. Let's just go to heaven. 
man, we don't have to be praying in heaven. We'll be praising in heaven. He says, soon in glory, bright, unclouded, there will be no need for prayer. Rapture, praise, and endless worship will be our sweet portion there. I want to tell you something. That's a great song on prayer. I'm going to close with this. I'll tell you, this blew me away. Don Piper started preaching in 1985. He preached over in Louisiana. He had been to a pastor's retreat. Pastor's retreat. He and his wife were on the way home from the pastor's retreat. Crossing a bridge there. I've forgotten exactly what part of Louisiana was in. It was in. And they were hit head on by a semi-truck. Car was smashed to Sitherines. They pronounced Don Piper dead. Covered him with a cloth. There was a preacher driving behind him. And he came up on the wreck. And he knew there possibly could be no one that survived that. But he felt an overwhelming burden from God to go pray for whoever it was. So he went up to the patrolman and said, sir, is there anyone in that car? He said, yes, there's a man there. He's, he's dead and he's covered with a blanket. He said, sir, I feel an urgent impression to pray for him. The officer said, sir, he's dead. He said, I know, but listen, I feel compelled by God to go pray for him. Well, he'd already been quote, unquote, dead for 30 minutes in. And the officer said, no. And so he he came back again and said, listen, and I, I think I've got the chronology right. Please, I know you say he's dead. Would you let me go in? Just let me go pray over him. And so he did. And he got in there and began to pray over him. Didn't even uncover him. Just started praying over him. Prayed for a while. Thought about leaving. But prayed some more. And by this time, it had been about 90 minutes. And right as he was just about to give up (laughs) and quit praying, guess what? Don Piper, the preacher, started singing. And guess what he was singing? What a friend we have in Jesus. And he wrote a book, 90 Minutes in Heaven. I've read the book. It's awesome. Of all the songs he was singing when he came back from heaven was what a friend. I wonder if he sang all three verses. (laughs) But you know, they put him in the hospital. And for months, he fought for his life. But he wrote about 90 minutes. You can get the book. 90 Minutes in Heaven by Don Piper. But when I heard he sang what a friend we had in Jesus... I decided to have a spell and just have a spell. And it's all right to have a spell. 
What a friend. Let's stand together and sing that. Let's just do that right now. I think we'll sing all four verses. You say, well, I'm, it's late. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We're going to sing four verses. Now, I'm not going to leave one of these verses out. All right, you ready? Brother Ed, where are you? Right here. I don't see. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in Praise God.